Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler. And in this week's episode, I gather some of the smartest minds at the IAB to look back and review all that's happened in 2022. Joining me to cover every announcement, update and notable event is Chloe Nichols, Head of Ad Tech, our Head of Marketing, Tom Stevens, and someone who's no stranger to the IAB UK podcast, Head of Policy and Regulatory Affairs, Christy Dennehy-Neal. We gallop through the biggest, best and still ongoing legislative news from this year, covering everything from HFSS to the online safety bill, get a view on how businesses have spent their time prepping this year for 2023's deprecation of third-party cookies and rejoice in the fact that physical events have well and truly returned in real life. We also cover the increasing focus on sustainability, talk about how our own gold standard has got even better and reflect on what has been a stellar comeback year for digital ad spend. And it wouldn't be a proper year in review if we didn't nod to one or two predictions ahead of next year too. So you can expect some off-piece chatter about British terroir and the return of shell suits. Yeah, enjoy the conversation. We should start with you, Christy. I mean, I've just got lots of acronyms in front of me, some of which I can decipher, some of which I mean, could have a good go, but I probably couldn't. But closer to home, last night you were in Parliament. How did that go? Yeah, really well, thank you. Yeah, so we had an event in Parliament, the first one we've been able to do actually since pre-COVID. We had a reception, invited along MPs and peers and departmental staff to showcase the value of digital advertising for SMEs. So we drew on our powering up research mm. that we ran in 2020. We really wanted to kind of explain to MPs and policymakers why digital is such a great asset for SMEs, what they get out of it. So we had some members in the room showcasing their SME offerings Mm. and also some D2C brands and some SMEs themselves as well. I guess going on from Parliament, I mean, it's been a fairly interesting year for (coughs) politics more generally. Maybe we'll come on to a bit how that relates to digital advertising, but it presents some challenges, doesn't it? Constant sort of flux and change and things like that, because I guess a big part of your job is building relationships with people at DCMS and that kind of thing. Of course, yeah. And I think it's not always apparent why the political changes affect the kind of policy work. Mm. And it is partly that relationship building, although often the sort of civil servants who are you know, looking after that day to day don't necessarily change, even if there are lots of political changes. But what is significant is if, for example, ministers change, secretaries of state change, mm. um, the kind of government itself changes, because... Obviously, the government sets the policy that the departments implement, you know, they decide on legislation. So Mm. we've had a lot of sort of flux and change and pause in some of those work streams this year. And a lot of time actually just when, you know, government hasn't really been around, parliament hasn't been sitting, ministers haven't been in post. I added it up, it's about a third of the year. Really? When due to recesses and obviously the death of the Queen when Mm. parliament wasn't sitting, but also the changes in ministers when really, you know, there weren't sort of ministers around or they were being changed, you know, in different posts. So... It means that big decisions don't get made during that time. And as I said, sort of policies get paused, reviewed, changed. Yeah. And when new ministers come in, they have to be briefed on everything that they're looking after. And obviously for a department as diverse yeah. as digital, yeah, culture, yeah. media and sport, that's yeah. a lot of different policy areas. So they yeah. need to be briefed and get up to speed before they can then start making decisions as well. I suppose something that is about to come back to us is the online safety bill, which has been talked about a lot, not just in our circles, but I think more 
more generally in consumer news, as it were. What's the sort of the 30 second outlook on that in terms of what it is? So the online safety bill is designed to make the internet a safer place for people to be. And particularly it's focused on sort of content and user generated Mm. content. So trying to make sure things that are illegal offline are also illegal online. You know, it's a kind of harmful content. It does also have some provisions in it relating to... um, sort of scam ads, fraudulent ads, so where criminals are trying to exploit advertising for the purposes of fraud. So the companies that are in the scope of the online safety bill, which is the sort of largest sort of search and social media companies, will have to kind of put measures in place to to minimise the likelihood that those ads appear on their services. Yeah, maybe we'll come back to politics in a minute, but Chloe, Cookie's got a stay of execution. Good or bad? Discuss. I think initially (laughs) bad is in, you know... I think given the more time we were apprehensive that it would mean that it would lead to continued conversation without action or testing. Mm. But what we found is that in many ways it's actually given a bit of (laughs) calmness to the testing, a bit more time to just prepare and maybe more comfort moving into this new era that actually the other solutions that are out there, the different things that now our members are testing and also maybe even leading in terms of Mm. proprietary tech are going to be fit for purpose. So yes, I think overall it's become positive. What's your sense of where it is on the priority list? Because I think inevitably human nature is here you go, here's another year to think about something. You know, there will always be other priorities. We know next year is going to be difficult with the various economic headwinds and things like that. Where's your sense on its level of importance within businesses? I think because it's been so relied upon, Mm -hmm. as in a third-party cookie, for just targeting a measurement in many ways, that it is going to be crucial. And I think particularly on the measurement side, the impact will be very large and it will vary depending on businesses and their objectives. But I think it should be up there. And I think, you know, even if there is any more pushback or change to dates, I get the sense that the industry wants to prepare for this anyway. We've looked at solutions with less reliance on identifiers, whether that's cookies or IDFAs. Mm -hmm. So I think there will be that continued momentum which it really needs what's your sense christy of because there was a lot of clamor probably a year ago in thinking about some of the solutions felt a bit sort of cookie-ish i mean they haven't come out and said explicitly the regulators but do you think that's going to fly if it sort of looks feels smells like a cookie still does it need to be wildly different we just need to think about something completely different it's a really good question. There's nothing wrong with a cookie, okay? So cookies are perfectly legal to use as long as you follow the law and they serve a really useful purpose. I think what the ICO is keen to see as the regulator is that when new solutions are being developed, because you have the opportunity now to develop them you know, in line with data protection principles from the outset, and you know, privacy by design is actually a sort of core principle of the GDPR, so that's what they're looking for, that solutions are built from the outset with the kind of core principles of GDPR in mind. So it's about you know, data minimisation, using data responsibly, accountably, you know, with the right sort of legal grounding to do that. So that kind of solutions are designed, you know, well now going forward. But there's nothing to say you can't use a cookie at all. You know, they serve a really useful function. And obviously there's a lot of use for sort of first party cookies and first party identifiers. So nothing wrong with that. I think probably just there's better ways to, you know, do things in the future where it's more about, I think, sort of, you know, data sharing and that kind of thing where the concerns lie. And obviously people have a right to have a control of their data and use of cookies or information on their devices. So I think that's 
where the ICO is going, it's hard to say for any individual solution yeah. that will fly. I think the message has to be, you know, make sure you design it with the law in mind from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. And you'll, you know, you'll get to a good place. Lots of stuff on, well, probably lots of questions on cookies, lots of questions on policy. I remember the sort of heady days of HFSS, as it's kind of peak, getting lots of questions about that and all sorts of other things as well. Lots of the things we've been hearing about on sustainability as well, particularly from agencies saying, you know, feeling a bit of pressure coming from their clients who have probably been looking at, you know, supply chain, packaging, and then there's this big bit of money that's going into advertising. So we've been hearing that as well, Tom, haven't we? Yeah, and I think that feels new and sustainability obviously isn't a new yeah. conversation. COP26 last year really raised awareness of it and I think has really sharpened the focus and sharpened minds on it alongside Ad Net Zero, which is the advertising industry's focus on being net zero by 2030, spearheaded by the Advertising Association. But over the last year, it's been those conversations from advertisers particularly, suddenly thinking, well, what is the environmental impact of my digital advertising? You're thinking about those server farms. I think everyone's always thought, well, newspapers, magazines, mm. we, it's very tangible impact. Yeah. But actually, with digital advertising and digital more broadly, what is the impact there? So we've brought together a sustainability group from among our members, put together sustainability glossary, which is very much just the first step. But I think until everyone's talking with a consistent language, mm. then it's very hard to move beyond that. And so our focus going forward, we will be helping our members to both measure the their impact on the environment yeah. and then help them reduce it. Because the, the measuring bit, you know, there's a whole bunch of companies out there <coughs> who can measure stuff. It feels like it's sort of viewability territory again. You know, if there's 10 different ways of measuring it, good that you've taken the step of measuring it, but surely we need some sort of consistency across the board with it. Yeah, it and there's a lot of companies making bold claims about... Right being able to do programmatically without any environmental impact, for example. So I think agencies are saying, well, who can I trust? And what is the language I should be using? So hopefully we can play a really valuable role in that. Yeah. Viewability. The glory days, eh? (laughs) <laughs> the glory days. <laughs> yes, I well, I think we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? Because the consumer viewability is how that also affects a user's experience. If everyone is only bidding for 70%, it can make a less than ideal situation for an end user who then has to visit a page with everything whacked at the top and so yeah I think we have been obviously focused this year a little bit looking towards attention which Mm. maybe some people would call more advanced in viewability and obviously we have kind of our handbook coming out about that soon but to me it kind of seems like a fairly natural step forward but also I'm quite fond of anything innovative so I think there is research there I think that again the issue is going to be the different way in which you measure this, how can we have consistency in that? And advertisers, I'm sure, will want a single metric across everything. But another good challenge to have. Yeah, just think there's so many similarities between, you know, suddenly we need to measure this thing, whether it's attention, whether it's the amount of carbon that's going into our campaigns. And then there's this sort of gold rush to, here's loads of solutions. But actually, I think what we hear is advertisers just want some clarity and you want simplicity. You know, media is a small percentage of what they do in terms of the the grand scheme of things, I guess. It's a bit hard because I don't know how you can make the point that in some ways you just need to think about having less. Like I remember loading Mm. onto a tag, a JavaScript with another JavaScript to measure eight different things, a brand safety study as well. And a million different things is on this single ad. So as a user, you don't even, you wouldn't expect how much (laughs) it's using, but 
then you know, because you've done the back-end work, how much is on that. And I don't know how we can ensure we have that mentality of being very precise in when we are using those additional metrics, mm-hmm. applying additional tags and really bulking up what we serve to users. Yeah. Let's go back to acronyms, Christy. We've talked about online safety bill. OAP, for listeners of this podcast, will remember. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty for me. I get to learn so much. I've learned about clean rooms. I've learned about advertising advertising program. HFS we touched on as well. And DPDI, we had that brilliant episode too. So it feels like feels like you've had some good airtime on the podcast this year. Yeah, I was looking back, actually, when we were sort of looking at the year in review. And uh, yeah, I think we kind of had four chunky episodes. Yeah, I mean, we love an acronym in the policy world. (laughs) And sort of combination of digital advertising and policy is acronym soup, I can tell you. Yeah, so HFSS, yeah, I think everybody sort of knows what that is. And where's that got to? I was with a food brand yesterday who said, we all sort of feel like we're on pause. We don't know what's kind of coming next. Like, help us, what's happening? Yeah, well, unfortunately, we are on pause. So that's not... not wrong, they're not wrong there. And, you know, we were talking a little while ago about the politics and it, mm. there are links, you know, kind of delays in sort of policy work and legislation due to lack of parliamentary time and changes to timetables and things like that. So what we're waiting for, actually, at the moment is for the government to lay the legislation which will effectively postpone the implementation of the ban. So they announced that earlier this year after a lot of industry lobbying from, mm. from lots of places, including ourselves. They announced the ban would come in January 2024 mm. rather than 2023, which was you know great news for members because we've obviously been arguing that 2023 is far too soon and a lot of the detail about the ban is still not known. That needs to also come through legislation. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're waiting for. We're talking to government about that pretty much weekly at the moment. We don't have a sort of firm timetable for that legislation, but we are led to believe it's coming soon. So that's where that is. And then once that legislation to move the date is in place, obviously we've got that certainty. And then we need more legislation, as I said, to set out some of the details of the ban. And then for the kind of regulator to be appointed, who will look after the ban day to day. So there's a lot of kind of... Still the sort of go. admin side yeah, of it to go. go so still quite a way to go and then eventually what everybody wants is the guidance but we have to wait first for the regulator to be appointed before okay. the guidance can come yeah we'll keep members updated as and when there's any more news on that and your hot take on the dpdi as well yeah, so that's the Data Protection Digital Information Bill. Tips, scores. <laughs> As I was saying that, I was kind of, mm, it's just, it's called <laughs> Check that. Now I'm going to quiz Chloe on CPM in a minute. Yes. Oh, God. Yes, so again, that's another example, you know, kind of live example. So that bill was introduced to Parliament in July, mm. but then after the summer when we had a new Prime Minister and a new Secretary of State, the bill was paused because they wanted to look again at it, again, as a you know, kind of new government, slightly different policy. Yeah. They wanted to uh, review the bill, so it kind of got taken off the timetable in Parliament so they could do that. So kind of officials are looking again at whether there's other things they might want to add into that bill, for example. The main thing that was of interest in the bill for us and kind of members was potential changes to kind of how cookies are managed. So cookies still very tough. It was yeah. very exciting <laughs> to think you don't have to whack that accept button. Yeah, yeah. so might be an easier the way. wants to get rid of the cookie banner, which is a product of legislation yeah. in and of itself, you know, and absolutely we support a kind of better user experience, mm. but it's not quite as simple as it sounds, as most people will know, you know, and there's lots more to the kind of pop-ups than just cookies. Obviously GDPR, you also need to kind of notify people Mm -hmm. and potentially get their consent for what you want to do so you know there's a lot involved in that longer term the government basically wants to move 
back to a sort of opt-out system for cookies rather than an opt-in system, which is what we used to have way back when. But that's a very long sort of term piece of work. So we're talking to them at the moment about that. We're also kind of talking to them about the opportunity to sort of change or add to the list of cookies for which you don't have to get consent. Right. Because it would be brilliant if things like measuring advertising for the purpose of billing you didn't need to get consent for. Because at the moment, the law works. Somebody could give consent, for example, to see personalised ads, but they could choose to not give consent for the measurement piece. Right, this you know, is when you can go in for and to be, various boxes yeah, about what you want because that's the kind of granular control right, that the law affords you with mm. GDPR and with the e-privacy legislation. But that's obviously not really the per, you know the mm. outcome that was intended from mm. that. So potential opportunity may be there to get a few more changes added. Did um, you read the full bill? I did not read the full bill. <laughs> It was huge. I'm sorry. That would be really long. I know. So but, I mean, there's lots. You know, there, there is a huge amount in it. You know, there's lots. That's so of, um, yeah, there's whole we sections. Have a, we which, have a FAQ as well, don't we? A short bit. Yes. So there's information on our site about it. We had a brilliant webinar with Eduardo Usteran. Oh, he was eight. Yeah, excellent lawyer in this space. So although the bill's changing, it, it's if people are interested, it is worth watching back that webinar because yeah. those bits of the bill probably won't change. But yeah, so the bill's kind of, you know, off back for review, will reappear at some point next year. We don't know. So you're on sort of tenterhooks with a lot, lots of this stuff. Could, yeah. Kind of, you've got to kind of like you're in this like state of readiness for it whenever it's it all going to happen on Christmas Eve. No. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, that's the nature of the job yeah. to some extent all the time. You know, it's very reactive, but particularly at the moment, there's lots of things that were kind of started and then we don't know what's happening to them. And, yeah. You know, we know that some things need to move quicker than others. And so we are very much on tenterhooks a lot yeah. of the time. Another celebratory, although sort of feels like going into perhaps slightly muted ad spend in terms of where we're at. We've had the we've had the lockdown years and we all know what happened to digital consumption then. We've had the bounce back and we're in sort of the next iteration of it now. T- tell us a bit about ad spend. Yes, we released full year ad spend for 2021 this year back in April, which revealed 41% growth for digital advertising last year, which is huge. Mm-hmm. And I suppose sort of expected because we knew it was a bit of a freak year. And we also realised it wasn't sustainable to grow at that rate. So we thought it might be a record year for growth. But actually in 2006, it grew slightly <laughs> more than 41%, which is slightly upsetting, but oh, from God, a much, yeah. much smaller base. So yeah, huge growth in 2021. But since then, we've of course released the half-year numbers for 2022, Mm. which are still showing good growth at 15%, but much more like what we were seeing pre-pandemic. So we're sort of seeing things returning to normal. And obviously the first six months of this year were before a lot of the headwinds really started to kick in that we're now seeing. So I think going into next year with a degree of caution, but the important thing is we are measuring it. We've got this sense of growth and it is still growth. Yeah, 100%. And some lovely success stories in there still, you know, podcasting up 60%, albeit from a slightly sort of lower base, but there are still nuggets, little shining light bits in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And also the kind of diversity of the whole market. So even when you take out the five biggest companies in 2021, the rest of the industry grew 33%. And that's a really important part of sustainable growth, which is that it's not just big companies getting bigger. The whole industry is growing. And as you say, podcasting growing. We've measured gaming for the first time. Hopefully we're on route to being able to measure CTV and see how these emerging or emerged parts of the market are growing. From sustainable growth to a lovely segue into the gold standard. How about that? Yes. Gold standard gets another notch up. So we're on 2.1 at the moment. What's the sort of the big difference? 
I think the focus and ambition with the change was to increase transparency throughout the supply chain, so end-to-end. So we've added mostly just new tech lab standards. Mm -hmm. So we've updated ads.txt to 1.1, and we've also put in buyers.json and demand chain object, which we find very helpful because especially with supporting reducing scam ads and when we have advertisers or brands come to us with those concerns this is like a really natural first step in ensuring we know who the buyer is and Mm. they are like an authorized seller the same way we have with ads.txt it's flipping it the other side got it of course there still then is the work to be done to ensure that then those actors are being removed and effectively not able to yeah. buy anymore. But it's the beginning of kind of reducing that, which is great. And that's interesting. You, I mean, you talked about scam ads in terms of online safety bill and stuff like that. So it's, you know, yes. sort of yep. n- n- nicely timely. timely. Yes, I would say so. Yeah, certainly from a policy perspective. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's really great because Gold Standard is a brilliant example of industry-led, you know, self-regulation. Mm. And it's a brilliant tool. And it's, you know, we've got something tangible when we go and talk to policymakers about, you know, regulation of the industry, which we have been doing as yeah. part of the online ad programme. You know, we can demonstrate that we have the gold standard and the various elements of it and what they're designed to do and that it's constantly evolving. So, yeah, it yeah. works really well from that perspective as well. It really is living proof of self-regulation working. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. Yes, and we do, as to Christy's point, want to make sure it evolves because... In this latest iteration, we've also added um, MSDK, which is a kind of works for CTV as well. It gives a bit of an open playing field for third-party measurement of like viewability and things like that. So it bolsters on that side. And we do want to ensure as much as possible for like CTV, audio and gaming that when there are standards, which we think it's the time to add them, they're ready right. to be added. <laughs> so it's always um, going to be this balance of you need this sort of critical mass. For, exactly. Yeah, we it. need a bit of adoption. And in some cases, they're just not quite there yet as they're not being bought digitally just yet. But yeah, once they are, we're kind of getting ready for that as well and making yeah. those changes. Events came back all in person. Events. Mm. I mean, that's the real thrill of the year. And (laughs) and it feels like a long time ago, but it was, there was a lovely bookend moment because March 2020, we had our last pre-pandemic event, our leadership summit, where there was lots of elbow bumping and sort of hilarity that people didn't really understand. People had no idea what was coming. So to come back in March 2022 with leadership summit, to say people were hungry, I think they were ravenous to get back. And so the event was great, but the kind of electricity in the room, the atmosphere of people just being back with their industry peers. I remember dark, dark days in lockdown, sat at home around kitchen table, you know, wherever you could work, of thinking we might never do that stuff again. You know, mm. there was a time we were just like, I just don't think we're going to do it. So the fact that we were all back there, Engage returned in person, of course, as well. Engage returned, new venue. So we were back at the, or we not back at, we went to the <laughs> Londoner Hotel, which we'll be returning to in 2023. Again, we weren't sure of numbers. We were like, will people yeah. want to be going to industry events? It was very much standing room only. And I know sometimes things get marketed as standing room only, and they're not. <laughs> but this was. properly was. Every seat was taken people crowding out into the lobby and we just have awesome things from our a load of our members epic stuff from agencies tiktok train spotter sensation francis bourgeois i mean <laughs> I, a bit of a bit of a personal love fest there for me because i'm a huge fan but he was interviewed by sabrina francis from the seven stars and it was just a cracking chat he was hilarious it was a lovely one to um, come back to and then there's been new stuff as that obviously up front again which seems to just get better and better every year yeah you know nightclub in the city this time a venue of choice a bit different from the london and a new event the last thursday club 
Yeah, we members are saying we actually do want more and more networking, bring yeah. us together, be that place that we can come and meet new people. So the last Thursday club sort of does what it says on the tin. The last Thursday <laughs> of every month, we're going to host an event, different theme each month, but the priority is getting people together, whether it's in our office or at a different venue. Members can come together and have a chat and talk about the issues of the day. Yeah, this is breaking the fourth wall slightly, but there's a note here which says we've had nearly 70,000 downloads of the podcast, which there's yeah, not a time. To ask you this, that, that feels That's a lot. We've had seventy thousand downloads That's uh, of the podcast this year, and some astonishing guests. Who's been your favourite, James? Uh, <laughs> very good, very good. Well, just talking about last Saturday, I love the attention, the, the live episode that we did. I thought that was very good. That I thought Sue Fennessy from We Are Eight is just yes, a total force of so nature. Good. I'm starting to see Rio Ferdinand appear on buses. I mean, they're going to be massive. So that's one we'll dig out the archives when that becomes big. And just in recent memory, the one with Kit and Ira from Puberty Group, you know, so they're two mm. 20-somethings, founded their own business, part owned by Lab Bible. I mean, they're just going to be these multi-millionaire, incredible sort of, you know, well, not jealous one bit at all, really. Gen Z <laughs> taking over the world. Yeah, totally. <laughs> We're coming slightly to the end. And we need to talk about festivities a little bit. I'd love to get some predictions from you one because we can sort of dust them off next year and see who kind of sounded silly christy prediction relating to digital advertising for you and perhaps one that isn't related as well what's your digital advertising prediction for this year next year next year next year yes this is the time of year when i struggle to remember what number next year is because <laughs> we spend all the time talking about 2023 yeah. but i mean you know from a policy perspective we've talked about it already i think kind of you know, fraud and scam ads will continue mm. to be a focus. And that's good. That's right. Yep. You know, one of the things we highlighted to the government in our response to the online ad programme consultation was that is something where we think government has really got a role to play, bringing together the right people, right. Um, you know, including regulators and law enforcement to tackle the criminals that are behind these kind of, you know, fraudulent ads. So I think that will continue to be a focus for 2023. And I really struggled with a non <laughs> non work prediction. I don't know. I'm not very good at predictions. Right, we're going to come back on non work predictions in a minute, Chloe. Big one for What's you. What's a non work prediction? Sorry, something non related to digital so, advertising. Right, just any event in the world. <clears throat> well, last year there was a lot of talk about 2022 being the year of fringes. Yeah, which I'm not sure. Has well, there's no fringes issues. in this room at all. What? So. You know, Jay McNeil's got that one horribly wrong. Oh, um, I mean, the best I could come up with I thought was really like, just reveals more about me than anything. was like, I think it'll be the year of, you know, in terms of fizz. So we had like, everybody loved Prosecco and then they got bored of that and went on to Carver. And oh, yeah, yeah, I reckon Cremont will be the, uh, the fizz of and 2023. I have another, right I have a very similar one to add. You've made me think of it. UK is going to overtake in terms of the production of like, of course you can't call it champagne, of sparkling wine. Really? Because, yeah, because France, because of obviously global warming and climate change, the soil has become too dry, in I believe. France. Yes, in some regions. So I think they're going to have to start production in other countries. And I think UK is going to be one of the leaders. Kent and Surrey are washed. Well, yes, we do Night share the same, oh, is it terroir? Down. I'm not a wine expert, but the soil yes. in the South Pole. We are showing ourselves the expert. <laughs> Except a very specific one. We'd love to be highbrow. So, Tom, give us a dose of, come on. Reality. (laughs) Well, I think in the world of digital advertising, retail media is extremely exciting. This time last year, I hadn't even heard the phrase retail Mm. media. And now it sounds like it's everywhere. We've hosted our first roundtable. We're going to have a group. So I think that's just a huge thing to keep an eye on. Outside of digital advertising, I'm going to go for shell suits. I've heard them mentioned twice in the last what? couple of months among Gen Zs. I think, I the think youth. next Unsubscribe. summer, next summer, I'll be in a shell suit. 
Oh, wow. uh, that's my prediction. Well, with these sort of 40 degree summers, it's sort of a bit of a health hazard. <laughs> They're not very breathable, are they? It's just a sweaty mess. Everyone's <laughs> losing about two steaks. Mm. I can't possibly say one about cookie-less because well, it seems so on the precipice for a it, while now. Is it going to happen? Have you got the inside track? Yeah, I think... <laughs> I'm looking at James funny. But I think that there will be a lot of momentum. Mm. There'll be a huge focus on first-party data. There already has been, but we'll start seeing that come to life. We'll have a lot more case studies. I imagine our hub will be less of solutions and more of case studies of work right. of solutions. Right, which will be helpful. A, yes, mm. definitely. Of attention examples, maybe contextual. And then obviously clean rooms of first-party data. But that's less of a prediction. I think it has to come, maybe. This one it's saying. a safe old prediction. Yeah, and I agree with Nichols, retail. So. And I think to Christy's point, that's also why we think it's going to be very important to obviously continue our work with the gold standard as there is the kind of financial pressure. It's going to be more important than ever to ensure that you are purchasing quality media and that media upholds the kind of key principles within the gold standard as well. Yeah, 100%. Is everyone on chat GPT? If you're not, it is the future of AI. It is going to it is going to take copywriters' jobs, developers' jobs. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what this is, go and Google it. Chat GPT. It is extraordinary. You, you punch in anything. You know, write a no uh, write a limerick about Christy Dennehy Neal and it will just come up with it. In, in, oh, it's just incredible. It is the Please future. Please tell John Muir about this. Yeah. yeah. So, he's been getting quite a lot of his material. Oh, he knows. You can just see it revolutionising, you, know, you know, the way you make content, the way you write code. Someone's done like, you know, asked it for an SEO strategy for their site and it's just done it. So, I mean, you can see this coming into our world and being very exciting. So, my bets are probably there. I had a whole bunch of sort oh. of hot takes on festive things, which I don't know we're going to get time for, but, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a sort of a dangle to come back in January. But for now, thank you very much, Chloe, Tom and Christy. Thank you very much. Thank you, James. Christy, Chloe and Tom from the IB there. A quick point on HFSS as we recorded this on the morning of the 8th of December. And since recording, we're pleased to say that our and the industry's lobbying efforts have resulted in the government listening to our concerns about the lack of certainty and clarity for the industry and the impact that has on our members' ability to prepare. So the government has now confirmed the new implementation date as the 1st of October 2025, which for us is a welcome extension that just gives sufficient time for industry and regulators to properly prepare. If you want more detail on this HFSS news, you can find our statement on ibuk.com forward slash policy. Massive thanks to Christy, Tom and Chloe for reliving their 2022 highlights with me. And thank you to all of you who've listened downloaded and supported the pod in some way this year that's it for 2022 enjoy the festive break and see you back here in january iab uk building a sustainable future for digital advertising